athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I hope you're having an absolutely wonderful holiday, and thank you for making Box to Row a part of your day. I am your host, Donald Ware. Seems like forever, like I was gone for a couple of weeks. We did a show going back two weeks ago, and hope you enjoyed the conversation with my friend, Kyle Serba, who is now the executive director of... In the athletics department, over the communications department at Duke University, he was at North Carolina Central the last 30 years. So you may have heard that conversation on last week as well as a couple of weeks ago since I was gone. And you may have heard the conversation with Troy Weaver and Brad Holmes, the general managers of the Detroit Pistons and the Detroit Lions, respectively, as part of what we're calling our a, a, a new concept we have with respect to this entity. We're calling it the HBCU Collective Podcast. And look, so I hope you enjoyed those couple of conversations. So it seems like it's been more than two weeks ago since last we talked, uh, if you will. And, you know, had a, had a great had a great holiday and, and hope you had a great Thanksgiving as well. Had a chance to spend some time with family in the mountains that week. Actually, that Sunday before Thanksgiving, went to uh, to the uh, Commanders and Giants game. What a disaster for the Commanders as it continues to be an absolute disaster in Washington. That said, still had a great week uh, up in Harrisonburg. As a matter of fact, we were up. Well, we got to Harrisonburg. Saturday night, like late Saturday night uh, before the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And of course, by that time, the the, uh, the football game between James Madison and, and App State was over where uh, college game day was there. That game had been over. So we'd gotten up there, then went over to D.C. on Sunday, came back, had a great time. Then it was my wife's birthday. Uh, the next week we went to the Maldives. Right. So it was cool. Like we were on a in the Maldives on a really a secluded Island. Uh, it's just enough for you to do. I, I'm the kind of person that, you know, I like to, even if I go on vacation, I want to have the opportunity, even if I don't do anything to have the opportunity to go into town or to do whatever. There was no opportunities there because you couldn't drive. It was nowhere to drive. We were on an, on an, on really a secluded Island, but it was just enough for you to do. Um, I think the, the mainly the issue for me is, OK, it took all said and done 
a total of, I think it was 20, let me see. So we left at 10 Eastern time, right, on Friday morning. And, by the way, the Maldives is 10 hours ahead. Okay, so if that was 10 Eastern time, and I'm going to put it in Maldivian time, so 10 in the morning Eastern time would have been 8 at night Maldivian time. So you figure, okay, 8 in 8, that's 12 hours then another eight. So it took us about 20 hours to get there, which is fine, right? Like it's, it's, it's cool. 20 real hours when you, you know, we, we, we left out of, uh, out of IAD and, or Dulles as it, as it is known in Northern Virginia, ended up uh, going to Dubai, only had about a couple of hour layover and then another. So we had a 12 hour flight and then we had basically a four hour flight um, to the Maldives coming back total it took us third uh well it took us because we came back to washington and then had to drive to north carolina so the total time was 35 hours it took us 35 hours to get from the maldives because what actually what you have to do we went to dubai then so from dubai to the to the male airport and then from Malé, another 40 minutes by seaplane to the Maldives. So you work that angle backwards. And with the the time that we had to spend about four hours, uh, once we got to the Malé airport, uh, and then once we got to Dubai, another, I think it was like another three hours. So all of that, and then the time you add driving uh, from Washington to North Carolina, that's another four and a half hours, 35 hours to get back. I don't know if I would do it again. I mean, I gotta be, I had a great time. Not sure I would do it again. All right. So that said, had a great time. We got to get to business today here on the program. I'm going to tell you what, right? Like I've got a gripe with college football, a big gripe with college football on a, on on so many levels. Let, Let me start. Okay. Let's start with Florida state, not making it to the college football playoff. I thought it was an absolute travesty. Um, I get it. Listen, I'm not the I'm not the biggest fan uh, of the ACC. It's not the greatest conference when it comes to football, but it's solid. It's a solid conference. Perennially, more recently here, you've had Clemson that's been really good. You go back some years ago, Florida State was the dominant program in the ACC, and now Florida State is back, went undefeated, won the ACC championship, and was snubbed from the playoffs, okay, as an undefeated team. it's you know, Listen, I get it. It's about the money. We know that. It's about the money when it comes to college football. And then the committee basically says, well, in essence, we don't think that Florida State, because of injuries at the quarterback position, okay, never mind that the defense is really really good and on any given Saturday any team can be beat any team can be beat just like any given Sunday in the National Football League and you've got an elite type of defense I would say in Florida State and so you know I would put I would put Florida State's defense up against any of the teams that are in the college football playoffs I guess more specifically Michigan and Washington because they know we knew that those teams were going to be in the playoff. Okay. I got it. 
Alabama State beat Georgia. Got it. Okay, you beat the number one team you probably should be in. And now you're basically what has to happen because that happened. Okay, you have to you you probably have to have Alabama in the playoff. But that said, now Texas has to come along. Why? Because Texas defeated Alabama. Okay, and I'm going to give you who I initially thought when uh, on Sunday morning, I sent out a tweet and this is who I thought should have been in the college football playoff. And uh, someone, um, someone tweeted back at me and it was something that I hadn't thought about at the time. Okay. I said it should be one Michigan two Washington, three Florida state four Alabama. But what I was reminded of is that Texas beat Alabama head to head. So you definitely couldn't have, you couldn't have Texas out of the equation knowing that the Longhorns had beaten Alabama. And to me, you certainly couldn't have had Alabama out of the equation uh, because, because of its win against Georgia. Okay. But this is the thing. This is sort of the thing that I look at Um, to me. uh, I I got it. Texas beat Alabama head to head, but that was earlier in the season. It's a different, you know, everybody wants to talk about how you're playing down the stretch. Well, guess what? Florida State is playing pretty good down the stretch. I got it. They got the injuries to quarterback. It's just a lot of inconsistencies, I think, with the college football playoff in terms of the explanation as to why Florida State wasn't in it. I would still stick by this, okay, even though Texas did beat Alabama head-to-head. I got it, right? But that was, again, earlier in the season, got an Alabama team that in the biggest game, okay, knocked off the two-time defending champions who had won, I think, 27 games in a row at that point. So that's why I sort of still stand by this, although, I mean, I understand the argument of Texas beat Alabama, so how could you have Alabama in and not Texas? But the argument I would make is that was like the fourth game of the season. We've played more than half the season since that football game and the SEC championship game. Okay, fine. Again, this is why I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of college football. That this is why, because college football and the committee will do something like this. And I understand you only have four teams, so you can't do it like they do it at the FCS level or at the Division two level, where the conference well not at the Division two level. That's not that level, but at the FCS level where generally a conference is going to get an automatic bid to the FCS playoffs by virtue of winning the conference. And then you fill the rest of the schedule out by way of at large berths. Got it. Everything here is an at large berth uh, when you're talking about the FBS. And of course that's going to change on next year because we're not now going to a 12 team playoff. So, you know, you, it's, you know, and I, I don't know, you know, may I, and I'm I'm not sure all of the details with respect to the the playoff. Uh, is it a situation where you have automatic bids from the respective conferences? Uh, probably not, I would say, because this is big boy football and it's big business, as we've seen by the fact that Florida State has been snubbed from the college football playoff. I think it's an absolute travesty. I feel bad for Florida State. Um, again, I realize the ACC isn't great football, but it's solid. 
Look at all the years that Clemson got in. I mean, I went back and kind of looked at some of Clemson's schedule. I mean, look, Clemson got in one year uh, when it lost to Pitt. So that just shows to me some of the inconsistencies. Now, of course, you could look at you, you'd have to look at some of the other teams, and I think that year maybe you had a bunch of one-loss teams, maybe with the exception of Alabama in the playoff that year that Clemson lost to Pitt anyway. So it's not just about Clemson losing to Pitt and still getting in. It's about the other teams and what those other teams did. I got it. Travesty is why I'm not a huge fan of college football and particularly this college football playoff. I want to talk more about that, right? I've got some other gripes as it relates to college football. And as a matter of fact, the legendary Lou Holtz is going to back me up on a couple of the gripes that I had. I had a, had to have a chance to have a conversation with Lou Holtz as it relates uh, to Buddy Pugh and his retiring as the head football coach at South Carolina State. Going to replay part of that interview today here on the program. Plus, it is report card day here on the program. I'm going to give you my grades for the teams from the MEAC and the SWAC in the game in Atlanta and next week, as a matter of fact, next Saturday, Florida A&M and Howard kind of get together. Uh, but again, giving you my grades for the teams from the MEAC and the SWAC on today's program. And as mentioned, part of a conversation with the legendary Lou Holtz here on the program. So sit back, relax. And enjoy, and I'm back. On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here, right here. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Box to Row.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. Box to Row.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? Box to Row.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And Box to Row.com. Your HBCU sports leader. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box Row. To Box, to Box, to Box to Row. 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 Box to
for the teams from the MEAC and the SWAC today here on the program. So, you know, like I said, I had a couple of gripes as it relates to college football. And one of the gripes is that Florida State will not be in the college football playoff despite an undefeated season. You've got two teams with one loss in the college football playoff. Alabama beat Georgia. You figured Alabama was going to be in. That meant Texas had to be in because it beat Alabama. It only had one loss in of itself. And so in a down year, perhaps, with the in terms of the SEC, you still get two teams in the college football playoff. I mean, you could have, I mean, I could have even made an argument, maybe even made an, I mean, it would have been harder to make an argument even for Georgia. But at least with Georgia, it's the two-time defending national champion. And I think they've got a bit of a reputation. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, I, I, again, it's just it's, it's why I'm not a particular fan of college football. And, and by the way, Ohio State's quarterback, Kyle McCord, is transfer is inter, putting his name in the transfer portal after the season that he had. Now, I know there are different reasons maybe one of which he could be replaced next year. But come on, I mean, guys don't want to compete anymore. It's another problem that I have is the transfer portal. And as a matter of fact, had a chance to catch up with the legendary Lou Holtz. We talked about Buddy Pugh and also about the transfer portal and NIL. I was trying to decide whether I would do the job or not because I knew it would be a very difficult job. But I called Buddy Pugh. I did not know Buddy Pugh at all, but I knew he was the assistant coach. I got up some information on him, <clears throat> and I called Buddy, and he wasn't at home. His wife said he was at uh, the playoff game at the stadium looking at recruits. Here's the individual didn't even know if he would be having a job or not, and he was already out recruiting. And... uh once I met him, spent time with him, he just class. You look at him as a recruiter, as a coach, as a staff. He just fun to be around. And I always look and say, first of all, most important obligation you have as a person is to be a good husband and a good father. And he was that. And then in 2002, he came to me and he said that, uh, South Carolina State had offered him the job, but he didn't think he was going to take it. I said, buddy, you have to take it. I said, think how many people you'll be able to influence, the lives you will change, the athletes, by being the head coach there. And he took it, and uh, we looked, we missed him. It was a very unselfish thing for me to do because you just don't replace somebody pew. Very easily, but I just think the world of him. I stayed in touch with him. I followed his success. He just, uh, he's a rare individual, and uh, you don't find many people like him. No doubt. Because, okay, so just to be clear, I want to be clear in terms of his timeline. So he was already, what well, he was already at South Carolina before you got there, but you, you retained him or you rehired him? Uh, I retained him. Okay. And, uh, Normally, you don't retain the entire staff. But as I said, when I called to talk to him, he was at a high school game. He didn't even know if he was going to have a job or not. I didn't know him. 
uh, I knew of him. But that dedication impressed me. And then once I sat down and visited with him, his character, his integrity, his values were, were just great. And I felt it'd be great for the for University of South Carolina, and they were. Yeah, can can you speak to again? You already did mention him, but you when you told him, "Hey, look, you you got to take this top job." You knew he would if you said that. You knew he was going to be successful there. Why did you know that? Well, because he was a leader. He was a coach, and first thing, he cared about players. And the most important thing a leader has to do is have high standards and don't lower. Too many people in a leadership role want to lower the standards. Buddy Pugh never lowered the standards for any of his players or for himself. And so I just felt he would be successful, but I felt more importantly as a head coach, the influence he would have on young people's lives. You think of being the head coach, the opportunity you have. And I just felt that it was a good job. It was a, it was close to us. Uh, he was in his home state. Then he would, it was just a perfect fit. He didn't want to take it, but I told him, you have no choice, buddy. He probably felt I was trying to get rid of him. The last thing I wanted to do was to lose Buddy Pugh. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, if he did, what, what would have happened if he did not take that job, Coach Holtz? Well, I think we would have been a little bit better uh, because uh, you don't lose an assistant like Buddy. But he just, he was one of these guys that's handled problems, solved problems, but he's great with the players. His relationship with the players, because he cared about it. But he cared about them enough that he wouldn't lower the standard for them. What makes a legendary coach, what makes a coach that is able to have great success? Obviously, Buddy Pugh has those intangibles with all of his winning. You have those intangibles. What makes a great coach? I think that a couple things is a very good question. One is persistence because it's not going to be easy. You know, we went to South Carolina. They hadn't won a game uh, my first year. We didn't win a game. You have to be persistent. You have to believe that you can succeed. You have to believe in the plan that you have, that you recruit good athletes with character and integrity, give them something they can physically do, and then demand they do it and show them how to become great. That's what our aspiration is. But I never felt I coached football. I felt I coached life. And the same things that we required of them on the football field would make him a better husband, a better father, a better businessman, a better person. So I believed in those things and would compromise them at all. And I saw the same things in Buddy. You know, Buddy is just a natural leader. He's personable when you're around him. You, you just feel good being around him. And he had a great family. He loved his son. He had a son who had some difficulties. I think not. I, I think had some had some challenges. But he was so dedicated to his family, and it was the same way as a coach. He's dedicated to his players. Yeah, no, no question. Um, if I could, if I could go off subject just just a bit, because you know we, we look at NIL now. Uh, do you have any thoughts on NIL? What obviously wasn't around when you were uh, when you were coaching? Well, thankful that it wasn't. <laughs> uh, 
I think a player should be paid if he worked at McDonald's, but not to play football. You go to college to get an education. That's a predominant thing. I learned more on a football field than I ever learned in a college classroom. But as you go along and you, you persist and believe in what you're doing and continue to pursue it. But it's not, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be obstacles. And you don't evaluate it day to day. You just keep saying, did we make progress today in the direction we want to go? And then uh, in a similar fashion, and they're, they're, they're linked in a lot of respects, the transfer portal, your thoughts? Well, on the transfer portal, I think it's the worst thing could happen to college football. Uh, no athlete ever has enough money, I, I want to tell you. But you learn what you can afford and what you need and what you want. There's a big difference. The transfer portal, when I was in college, I never had many people say, you need a haircut. I'd say, I don't need a haircut. They'd say, look in the mirror. I said, I don't look in the mirror. I look at a... I, I, I don't look in the mirror. I look at a wallet. My wallet told me whether I want a haircut or not. As far as the transfer portal, I think that all you do is change the address of your problems. You're going to have problems everywhere, but you should persevere. Stay with it. You made a decision. Honor that commitment and work it out and prepare yourself. Get better so that when your opportunity comes, you'll have a better chance to be successful. And then lastly, yourself, uh, how do you most want to be remembered? As an individual that tried to do the right thing, that uh, cared about the players, but uh, more importantly, that uh, I did not want my career to determine who I was. I would like to be determined who I was by my character, integrity, and decisions that I made in the past. Excellent. Lou Holtz, uh, legend, the legendary Lou Holtz. I mean, I, I don't think we need to, you know, you, you can talk about all the schools, Notre Dame, NC State, Minnesota, had a lot of success at all of those schools. At South Carolina, obviously, uh, hired Buddy Pugh uh, at, or retained Buddy Pugh, I should say, as the head, uh, as the assistant coach, I should say, in South Carolina, went on to be the head football coach of South Carolina State, now retiring after 22 seasons. Coach Holtz, what an honor we really appreciate the time. Hope you're feeling better, and we look forward to talking with you soon. Well, th thank you very much for having me, and I want to congratulate you on the preparation you made and the way you conducted this interview. You're a class act, and call me anytime. Conversation with the legendary Lou Holt. Up next here on Box to Row, it's report card day, and I'm giving my grades to the teams from the SWAC. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. Michael B. Jordan. And, and, I, and I think it's a testament to, you know, what HBCUs mean to people, you know, and, 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 and having that community and culture and shining a light on the universities, you know what I'm saying, in a real way and creating a pipeline from these kids in high school and making them feel good about wanting to land at HBCU. We have high, you know, high, high talent. Um, and often 
often it's gone and shipped out to other places. It's never poured back into the community. So if we can create an environment that's cool and a beacon of light and people want to feel like they want to be here. And so putting it on a national stage is really big. You know, most of the time these kids don't get televised games. You know what I'm saying? So be able to put them on Turner in a real way was really, really important. Um, and, and, and then the brands and then the sponsors, you know what I'm saying? And getting, you know, the NBA, you know, scouts and looks to come in and hopefully like build this thing bigger. The one and only Stephen A. Smith. It's my sincere hope that when my ride ends, I'll get a big hug and a big thank you for what I tried to do for other people when I was at the top. Because that's all you have to lean on at the end of the day, bro. I mean, I, I plan on being successful for years to come, but it ain't gonna last forever. And, you know, when my day comes, when, when it's the end of the road and it's time for somebody else to be in my seat, in my chair, you know, it's my hope that whoever though that person or those people are, people that knew I cared about them and believed than them to help them get to this place. Hey, Spike Lee. Thank you. I haven't heard that. I mean, I've been on rails all over the nation. Thank you for that question. I'm a third generation Morehouse man. I was taught to speak your truth and that there's very special about being a Morehouse man the same way you feel about your school, the same way we feel all about our respective historic black colleges. That would have been my first choice anyway, and I'm proud to be a Morehouse man. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. And, uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you get to <laughs> You know what is good, and, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better, and, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. As we're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi Valley State University? <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And that brought awareness to the school, and after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Dave Roberts, manager of the L.A. Dodgers. To be person of color and be the manager of the Dodgers, what does that mean to you? I think the first thing that comes to me is responsibility. With recency and kind of the social, the racial issues that we're having that really come to light, which is, I believe, are good things. I think that it's a responsibility for me to be the first manager of color for the Dodgers. There's not many of us in baseball. To do things the right way, to hopefully give other people of color opportunity, hopefully it just paves the way. So I think that for me, I definitely look at it as responsibility, but something I'm willing to undertake. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honest. You know, football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One, NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again, and just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melo. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in the first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thank 
thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey, y'all. It is the EST of WWE. The strongest, the fastest, the roughest, the toughest, the quickest, the greatest, the best on Box to Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at BoxToRow.com. That's from the Press Box to Press Row. Real. Relevant. Radio. It's report card day here on Box to Row, something we've done for the last 10-plus years here on the program. I'm going to give my grades to the teams, and we're going to go with the teams from the SWAC. I'm going to do this in alphabetical order, and we're going to begin with Alabama A&M, who finished the season 5-6. and six. I thought for the Bulldogs, it, uh, it it you know, look, this is the a Bulldogs program that's just three years removed from winning the HBCU National Championship in the spring of 2021, had an all-world quarterback during that time, haven't quite gotten back to that particular level. I mean, one, you know, the thing about Alabama A&M, Alabama A&M was pretty much in every football game in which it played in. And one of the bright spots, you know, from a rushing perspective was Donovan Eaglin, um, who had, who averaged 5.4 yards per carry, had seven touchdowns. I think he was first team all swack, if I'm not mistaken. I know Connell Maynard wants to, he, and, and he mentioned this on the on the uh, presser, the last presser of the season's got to kind of overhaul the whole program, get some guys in, particularly from the transfer portal that can really help this program. I thought it wasn't a bad season. I mean, Alabama A&M was pretty much in every game, won the games, it was supposed to win, including a win over Grambling, who was right there in the hunt. I gave the Bulldogs a C minus. Alabama State was seven and four on the season. I thought when you looked at Alabama State, started off the season extremely slow. Did get that first victory of the season over Southern, which was a really good win, but didn't then proceeded to lose three straight games beginning with losing to Miles. And if you're, I mean, Miles had a solid program, no doubt, but if you're Alabama State, that is a no-no, followed by losses to Florida A&M and then Alcorn State in overtime. But then the Hornets proceeded to go on a winning streak of four straight football games to put, they never, the thing about the Hornets never put themselves back in contention because at the end of the day, it was all about Florida A&M who really ran away with the swag this year. Tough loss towards the end of the season against Prairie View A&M. Bounced back on that, that Turkey Day Classic against Tuskegee. Left absolutely uh, no doubt. I think when you're looking at Eddie Robinson Jr., he's got, uh, got a lot to really build upon going into next season. And I like that. I'm going to grade on the curve just a little bit. And... I'm going to give, or I gave the Hornets, a B-. Alcorn State finished 7-4 and four on the season in contention for the SWAC's Western Division crown. I thought this was a pretty good season, pretty solid season, I would say, uh, for Alcorn State. When I look at the quarterback, Aaron Allen had a solid season. Jarvie and Howard as a running back, probably not the season that many expected. He still made first team all swack. This defense wasn't bad. One of the leaders, Malachi Bailey, the defensive end, he was first team all swack. Alcorn State, again, 
didn't really get blown out of any game uh, uh, after a couple of losses, came back home, uh, beat McNeese State, lost by three points to Prairie View A&M the following week, wins in overtime against Alabama State, had some nice wins, and against Grambling State, who again was in contention as well towards the latter part of the season. I thought Alcorn State had a really a, a, a good season. I, I thought it was a solid season again, grading probably on a little bit of a curve. I gave the Braves a B minus. Arkansas Pine Bluff was two and nine on the season. Another tough season for the Golden Lions. I think one of the bright spots was Rico Dozier, the linebacker. He led the SWAC in terms of tackles and and solo tackles. As a matter of fact, he's a really, really good football player. I think the and, – and, and he's good. He stood out. The defense, I think, was the major issue. I mean, I think the Golden Lions ran the football decently. I mean, the quarterback play could have been better, but it wasn't, it wasn't awful. And, you know, again, I, I think about the Golden Lions. I mean, this is a program that won the SWAT championship – in, it was either 2011 or 2012 under Monty Coleman, and it has it not been the same since um, I gave the Golden Lions a D minus. Bethune-Cookman was 3-8 and eight on the season in Raymond Woody's first season as the head football coach. I look at Bethune-Cookman, you look up and down um, this in terms of the schedule, and by the way, Omar Hill-Robinson as a defensive back is the real deal, another first-team all-swack selection. Um, look, it took some time for the Wildcats to kind of really figure it out. And if you look at it, Wildcats in, in pretty much every game. I mean, yeah, okay, so lost to 56-14 to 14 to Memphis, lost 48-7 to 7 to Miami. Okay, outside of that, we've got a six-point loss um, at Jackson State, a five-point loss at Alabama State, uh, a three-point loss to Southern, and then lost by 10 points, or uh, Texas Southern, then lost to 10 points, uh, lost by 10 points, to Southern, lost to Grambling State. Again, these teams are in the running down the stretch, but then found a way to win a couple of games. Uh, Mississippi Valley State also beat Alabama A&M and fell, of course, in the Florida Classic to clearly the best team in the SWAC in Florida A&M. Look, I think Raymond Woody has this thing on the right track. I mean, I like the way that the Wildcats finished the season. I gave Bethune-Cookman a D. And that brings us to the champs in Florida A&M. Currently 11-1 on the season. The only loss was to South Florida. And, and uh, I believe that was a loss by like, it was a close, I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a bad loss. I mean, maybe 10 points, 11 points, something like that. Look, you've got Jeremy Musa at the quarterback position. He had a solid season. I mean, I thought he, I think he's, do, he did a, he's done it so far because he's got, still got one game remaining. But he had a solid season, good running game, good offensive line where Florida A&M hangs the hat of its successes on the defensive side of the football. I mean, you can name any number of guys. You know, Isaiah Major's a phenomenal player. You know, you've got Kendall Bowler. Um, You've got all of these guys that are really, really good. I think Willie Simmons and his staff has done a tremendous job. Um, And, you know, Rattler football, in terms of the fan base, had already been there, but I think the fan base is super excited. Willie Simmons is doing a really, really good job. I expect big things in the future. Of course, we'll preview next week the game against Howard. But right now, the grade for the Rattlers is an A. The Grambling Tigers 5-6 and on the season. I was a little bit surprised 
uh, by the firing uh, of Grambling head football coach Hugh Jackson. I thought he did a pretty decent job. Um, look, you know, tough loss to Hampton to begin the season. Hampton had a really, really good season, followed by a tough loss. I mean, what do you expect you're playing um, at LSU? Um, but look, you know, you win against Texas Southern, a tough loss to Prairie View A&M. But I, I mean, and, and I get it, you know, one point loss to Alcorn State, losing to Alabama A&M. But then, you know, I thought down the stretch, a couple of wins, right, against teams that you're supposed to beat. And I think what Hugh Jackson found out is what Eric Dooley also found out. And if you don't know by now, this Bayou Classic is extremely important. I think if Hugh Jackson wins the Bayou Classic, he probably gets um, another shot. That's how important that football game was. I thought he was building a program, and you need time to build a program. And, you know, Hugh Jackson, to me, is a guy that, you know, needs would, would need time to build a program coming from um, the, na- you know, coming from the National Football League. Grambling decided it wanted to go in another direction, didn't give him that time. I didn't think the Tigers had an awful season, and I grave Grambling a C minus Jackson State was seven and four on the season. I know Willie Simmons was the coach of the year in the SWAC and rightfully so, but I think if it wasn't Willie Simmons, T.C. Taylor, I'm sure, got some consideration. Look, you start the season off with a big win over South Carolina State in the MEAC SWAC Challenge, right? You lose to Florida A&M. I mean, Florida A&M is really, really good, but, you know, I thought Jackson State had some good wins along the way. Um, Beating Southern was a good win, uh, I thought. Um, And and then winning games that it was supposed to win. It didn't lose any games it wasn't supposed to. I mean, that's a tough loss to Alabama State. Uh, quarterback was solid, but, you know, they, they used a couple of quarterbacks. Um, all things considered, because remember, this was a program coming into the season, 70 new players. And it, while the cupboard wasn't bare, the elite players left the program. So I think T.C. Taylor did an absolutely tremendous job. Um, and I I thought that Jackson State had a solid season. I You know, now, had – Jackson State won that last game against Alcorn State. We've been be talking about a bit of a higher grade, but I gave the Tigers a B minus. Mississippi Valley State just one win on the season, one in ten. But I think they have a solid quarterback, maybe moving forward in Ty Jarvian Williams, and and we'll see. You know, and and by the way, I mean I know it's a lot of or, or Ty, yeah, Ty Jarvian, excuse me, Ty Jarvian Williams. I mean. I don't have it in front of me. There's been a lot of movement, you know, from an HBCU perspective in terms of the transfer portal. So I'm not up on who's stayed, who's gone, all those kinds of things um, at the current moment. Um, It's just been one of those things. But when I look at Mississippi Valley State, the Delta Devils, especially in the latter part of the season, in just about every football game, playing hard, continues to play hard. And to me, that accounts for something, even though only one win on the season, I gave the Delta Devils a D minus. Prairie View A&M went 6-6 six and six on the season. And to me, Prairie View A&M is in the same vein as an, you know, as an, as an old corn state, uh, as an Alabama state. I look at three games, okay, for, Alab- for, for Prairie View A&M that really tells me all I need to know. A win against Alabama State, a win at Southern, 
and a win at Alcorn State. That's all I need to know about uh, about the Panthers this year who won the uh, SWAC's Western Division, of course, lost in the SWAC championship game to Florida A&M, which was expected. Bubba McDowell, I think, did a good job. He's got some things to build upon. You know, I liked the Panthers' season. I thought it was more than solid, and I gave the Panthers a B-. minus. Southern went 6-5 and five on the season, of course, right before the Bayou Classic dismissed Eric Dooley as the head coach, and I think it's two games you can look at. November 4th, the loss at Alcorn State, 44-21, and then the following week, the loss to Prairie View A&M, which really essentially knocked the Jaguars out of the running. Look, I know Eric Dooley, apparently anyway, didn't endear himself uh, to the fans, to that fan base, which, you know, that's probably a mistake, okay? Uh, may may have cost him his job, um, but I thought overall uh, he, he did a, 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 a decent job this year coming off the SWAC Western Division last year, and then, of course, Southern capping it off, winning the Bayou Classic over Grambling State. I gave the Jaguars a C. Texas Southern was 3-8 and eight on the season. Clarence McKinney let go as the head coach after five seasons. And that's a tough deal because it's tough to win at Texas Southern. I thought, at least from an offensive perspective, uh, Coach McKinney was building a, a good program, as a matter of fact, put up a lot of points. It was an exciting offense, just couldn't stop anybody defensively. And it's a tough thing because if you're Texas Southern, you say, okay, five years, you're, I think the most wins maybe was four or five, so that's tough. Um, you know, it's just one of those things with Texas Southern. It's not a program that has been accustomed to winning. That's the thing, and it's puzzling because you're right there in Houston, big city, nice stadium, nice campus. I just, I'm just, I just don't. And in Texas, and in Houston, at that, I just don't understand it from a football uh, perspective. Uh, that said, in terms of the season, I gave the Tigers a D. Your thoughts? Hit me up. Via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on my Twitter account at DWare1. The MIAC report cards are up next. Business owners, do you need money right now? Have you already filed your ERC forms and been approved? How would you like to get the money in your bank account within 10 days? Couldn't you use that money right now to run your business? That is why you filed for it, right? So call us right now. As long as you've already filed and been approved, we'll advance the money to you. It's that simple. We've already funded millions of dollars in ERC money, and we're here to help you get the money you need right now to run your business. Again, if you've already filed your ERC application and been approved for the money, we can help you get the money in your bank account within 10 days from today. But you've got to make this free call right now. This is not a loan product and the offer is not available in the state of Massachusetts. 800-380-4301-800-380-4301-800-380-4301. That's 800-380-4301. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Welcome back to Box to Row. It's report card day here on the program. In the last segment, gave my grades to the teams from the SWAC. And 
course, for the MEAC, we're going to do this in alphabetical order, which means we're going to start with Delaware State, 1-10 and 10 on the season. And the first season for Lee Hull, as the head coach, I had a chance to be on most of the press conferences throughout the course of the season. And the one thing I think about uh, the Hornets, competitive in, in every game. I think Lee Hull will be able to really get his players to kind of come into the program, and I think he'll have some success. I think the issue this year, uh, not so much starting off with the loss to Bowie State. And again, Bowie State, solid program, but not the Bowie State program that we we had really known uh, in the past. And so if you're Delaware State, that's definitely not a game you want to lose to. Of course, Delaware State defeated Virginia or University of Lynchburg. And so that was the only victory of the season. I mean, look, Central Connecticut State lost by seven points in a high-scoring game, lost to seven by seven points to Howard, lost by seven points to Morgan State. So you could see where this team was competitive, but not good enough, obviously, for the Hornets. And I gave the Hornets a D minus. Again, we're doing this in alphabetical order. So the next team is going to be the Howard Bison. Howard is uh, currently Six and five on the season's got a date next Saturday against Florida A&M. And, you know, when I looked at the Bison, like starting the season off, only the 11 point or really 10 point loss to Eastern Michigan. Okay, went and wiped the floor with Morehouse, which is what you're supposed to do. But then lost by one point to Hampton. Again, it was a good Hampton team this year. My issue was that Howard had a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter in what was essentially a home game. It wasn't at Green Stadium, but it was in Washington, D.C. And Howard loses, you know, sort of that football game. But come back, nice win over Robert Morris, played Northwestern tight. That's a power five school that Howard loses to by only three points. Okay, and then next week turns around and, lo- and get, gets blasted by a really good, I think Harvard had a really, really good program. But then... Uh, you look at what Howard the Bison uh, were able to do in the MEAC with the only uh, the only loss coming at the hands of South Carolina State by three points, which was a bit of a loss, and then come back right back the next week and destroy North Carolina Central. I thought Quentin Williams had a, a, a phenomenal season at the quarterback position. He was really, really, you know, Quentin Williams was really, really special. Um, and, and when you talk about the quarterbacks of Howard and, and once, you know, once that's all said and done, I think, you know, Quentin Williams is going to be right up there as one of the, the, the really good players. Then you look at Kenny Gallup Jr. on the other side. That he's a defensive player of the year for the MEAC. I look at the kid Burr on the defensive side of the football. He was really, really good. That offensive line was solid. That running game is really, really good. I mean, this is a really good a really good Howard uh, program. I just don't, you know, to me, the record didn't match exactly what I think the Bison are and, and, and quite frankly, what the Bison may be capable of next week. I gave Howard a B minus. And of course, that could change with one football game still remaining. In alphabetical order, the next team is Morgan State. Uh, the Bears finished four and six on the season. I mean, if you look at a four and six record, 
you say, well, you know, that's not necessarily uh, a, a great record, but you've got to look at the totality of the season. And I'm going to break it down for you this way. You get the win against Richmond to start the season. It's a huge win. The buzz is all around Morgan State. And then an unfortunate fumble in the latter part of the game. Um, otherwise, how uh, Morgan probably would have beaten Akron, which is, you know, obviously when you're looking at Howard, you're playing up. But look, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Morgan State. You're, when you're looking at Morgan State against Akron, you're playing up. But in almost every football game except Yale, which, I mean, that's a tough game, got had homecoming canceled because of the shooting, right? Open up MEAC play um, at home against North Carolina Central, lose by six points. Had Morgan had any semblance of an offense, it may have won that game. And as a matter of fact, we may have been talking about the uh, Morgan State as champions, okay, but proceeded to win um, against Norfolk State, against Delaware State, against South Carolina State. So Morgan, I think, was hot momentarily lost that last game of the season to the Bison 14-7. to I look at the trajectory. It's a really good defense. You know, you've got an Eric Hunter um, at the linebacker. You've got Elijah Williams. The secondary is really, really good. It's an elitish type of defense. I think Damon Wilson has the program uh, really going in the right direction. Pretty, pretty decent season, I thought. For the Bears, I gave Morgan State a C plus. Norfolk State on the season was a tough season, okay? Another tough season. Uh, the third for Dawson Odoms as the head coach. Only three wins um, on the season for Norfolk State and opened the season with the loss to Virginia State. I think that was sort of eye-opening. But the thing about it, Virginia State had a pretty solid football team and then you know, if you're Norfolk State, you bounce right back and get the victory over a good Hampton team. So it wasn't like the season was a total loss. You know, I think when you look at the quarterback play, particularly with Otto, it, it, it was it was inconsistent. They needed a little bit better uh, quarterback play and a little bit better play overall. I mean, I had a chance to see um, Norfolk State, and I called the game Norfolk State in North Carolina A&T. As a matter of fact, North Carolina A&T, it's only victory of the season was over Norfolk State. But that was a team that could move the football running-wise. When the quarterback was playing well, things could go well for Norfolk State. But, man, it just you know, it just wasn't the season Dawson Odoms expected to have for that Norfolk State team. And I gave the Spartans on the season a D. North Carolina Central, 9-3 on the season, didn't make it. Uh, made it to the FCS playoffs, so some postseason play. And sort of in the beginning, um, had Richmond uh, on the ropes and just uh, just Richmond came back and, 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 and ultimately won that game. When you've got Davius Richard, okay, he's on the field, generally he's going to be the best player on the field. Not, and, and look, his numbers weren't, they weren't as good as they've been in years past. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was, I think he finished maybe in the 60 percentile or lower 60 percentile in terms of pass completion. When you look at last year, he was right around 64, 65%. But you, you look at him like he's got the build. He's got the body. He can make the throws. You know, I didn't particularly think that uh, the Eagles offensive line was great. I thought the, I thought the, the running game was solid. I thought it'd be a little bit better 
But I think it was solid, especially when you're talking about Davis Richard as being part of that running game. And then the defense, I mean, look, back-to-back weeks, not back-to-back weeks because it was North Carolina Central or South Carolina State put up 50 points. And then in the loss to Richmond, uh, Richmond put up 49 points. So I think the defense really let uh, North Carolina Central down this season. But look, it was still a solid season. Some wins over top 25 teams. The Eagles are going to finish as a top 25 team in FCS football. Solid season I gave, or, or better than solid, good. I gave North Carolina Central a B. Lastly, South Carolina State in the last season for Buddy Pugh. Finished the season 5-6 and six and with a victory to end the season. I think that's very, very important, uh, especially for a season that didn't go the way the Bulldogs had hoped it would go. The running game, absolutely spectacular for the Bulldogs. Uh, Jawarn Howell, first team, all Mick is in the running for FCS freshman of the year. Unfortunately, he's tra- he's transferred out of the – he's in the transfer portal. And, I, I, you know, it's unfortunate. It goes back to what I was talking about with respect to the transfer portal. And, it look, I think it has and will continue to hurt our players because our players can play. And it's almost – you know, it's going to become sort of a, a, a ground where if you do well – at an HBCU, you're you're gonna go to you're gonna go to maybe an FBS program. Look at you know, give you an example of of some excelling. Look at uh, look at A and T losing Jacob Roberts, the linebacker to Wake Forest, had a really really good season for Wake Forest, and then Basil Tootin, the running back, had a good season for Virginia Tech at Power Five program. So it's almost like an auditioning deal if you're an elitist type of player. And I hope I and I hope that those players that are elite level type of players will stay at the school that originally gave them the opportunity and not jump to these other schools that didn't originally give you the look that you in fact wanted. That's unfortunate. I think uh, for South Carolina state, but I guess Howell's got to make the decision that's best for him. The quarterback play, you know, Corey Fields is just struggling, struggled really almost he had some bright moments. You look at the Celebration Bowl in 2021 against Jackson State. That was a bright moment. Um, but for the most part, it just wasn't a great season for Corey Fields. And I think that hurt South Carolina State a whole lot. And defensively, it you know, you've got a Patrick God bold at some of these guys, but it wasn't an elite level type of defense that we're used to seeing from South Carolina State. Nonetheless, a good win against Howard, ending the season um, with a victory over Norfolk. Buddy Pugh's last game as the head coach, a legend retires. And by the way, uh, Chennis Berry uh, is now the new head football coach at South Carolina State. I don't think there's any, um, you know, there was any going to be any question uh, about that. And I think another big hiring is Nathan Cochran, uh, who's an a, who's an alum. Uh, of South Carolina State, had been an athletic director at Walsh College, is now the uh, new athletics director there as well. So maybe some big things on the horizon uh, for South Carolina State. And I gave the Bulldogs a C-. Your thoughts on my report card, my grades for the teams from the MEAC and the SWAC. Hit me up via Twitter on my personal Twitter account, at D. Where 
one. Next week, we're looking at teams from the SIAC and the CIAA and North Carolina A&T, Tennessee State, and Hampton. Look, my time is about up. I thank you for yours. For more information on Box to Row, great content, conversations, etc., log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row is produced by DW Communications.